I'll say bless the Lord if you'll say, oh my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Well, good evening. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Kairos is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and to each other. Um, don't worry about this. I'll get to it later, I promise. Um, this. Thanks, Jandy. Uh, we're in a series uh, on Romans 8, so if you want to go ahead and find your way there, uh, we're going to continue our conversation throughout that chapter. But um, I want to use uh, an artist and a quote to help start us on that conversation uh, tonight. So uh, Claude Monet was born in 1840, and he is the founder of the French Impressionist movement. He would obsessively paint landscapes over and over and over again, because he couldn't get over how much it would change with the shifting light. And then ultimately in 1899, in his backyard, he had a garden and he painted water lilies for the first time. He would paint water lilies for the next 20 years. Because again, he was trying to capture the reflection and the light and was just so smitten by its beauty and his desire to express what it is that he would see. In writing to a friend one time, Claude Monet said this, I rage at my inability to express it all better. One of history's famous artists who's influenced us all in the way that we see and that we do art says this, I rage at my inability to express it all better. Now, you and I may not be painters, or you may be a painter, and you may be like, exactly, Chris, but I think that resonates with us regardless. As sons and daughters created in the image of God, when we're trying to put together a portrait of who God's created us to be, and we're painting the landscape of our lives, we're constantly frustrated by how to express it all better. Who am I right now? Who am I becoming? What do these circumstances in my life mean right now? Where is it all leading? I rage at my inability to express it all better. And I don't know about you, how about in your prayer life with God, when you're praying for yourself or praying for other people, and it just seems like you have these contrasting colors to work with, knowing and not knowing, lamenting and laughter, grief and gladness. How does it all fit together to express the portrait that God's trying to paint with our lives. Well, the good news is, uh, I think the Bible is gonna speak directly to that. And I think we're gonna find out tonight that the Spirit helps us to express it all better before God our Father. So I want you to listen in as we read our text uh, and see as it speaks exactly to that. So we'll be in Romans chapter eight. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? Holy Spirit, we're asking for eyes to see and ears to hear. And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Romans 8, starting in verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Fantastic. Uh, the creation waits in eager expectations 
for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been growing as in the pains of childbirth right up into this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons. The redemption of our bodies. Watch it now. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Praise God. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. The Spirit helps us to hope. And in this hope, we are saved. Fantastic. The Spirit's gonna pray for us in our weakness, help us in our weakness and pray for us in wordless groans, sighs too deep for words. And we can understand because of God's Spirit praying for us, he can help us to hope. Now, the whole idea behind this series in Romans 8, by the way, in the church calendar, this text appears again and again after Pentecost, after the falling of the Holy Spirit, after we get it for all of those who follow Jesus. It just doesn't come at certain times around certain peoples like it did in the first covenant. In the second covenant, now God's unleashing it on all people and all flesh for those who identify with Jesus and want, believe he's the way, the truth, and the life, and they want to live full out into the kingdom of God. And it's amazing. And the heartbeat for us has been how can I be led by the Spirit? I think some of us have this idealized view of what it looks like, that we've got some like ninja skills and all of a sudden we just know everything, do everything right, and we're totally powerful and anointed and authoritative in the kingdom, and we dodge bullets and all that stuff happens, but I wonder what it just looks like this week for us to commit to try our best to take one simple step to go Father, I want to be led by the Spirit this week. And I may not have any idea what that looks like, but I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing, and I'm ready for the Spirit to help me in my weakness. And so that's, that's the heartbeat behind that. And so I think there's two things that emerge out of this text, but I'm going to take a different angle. Pastorally, I, based off this text, I've been praying and, and reading through this for the last couple of weeks, and if I was to encourage you guys or to warn you guys in any way, what sabotages us being led by the Spirit? So 1 Thessalonians says that we can quench the Spirit and Ephesians says we can grieve the Spirit. So even as we're being led by the Spirit, it's, it's possible to quench Him and grieve Him in our lives. 
And I think there are two ways that elevate in this text that most oftentimes we quench or grieve the spirit before we're ever even led by the spirit. And if we can eliminate those, then maybe this week the spirit will open up and lead us in ways that we couldn't possibly realize or recognize previously. So the first one is simply this, the way that we grieve the spirit is, uh, we don't want help. The spirit helps us to hope. The spirit helps us in our weakness. One of the biggest ways a lot, you and I grieve and quench the spirit is we, we don't want help, no thanks. We don't want to admit that we need help, right? Or if we finally get to a place where we've exhausted all of our resources, all of our personality, all of our discipline, all, all of our, everything that we have available to us, all right, I need help, but I really don't want it. Because it's such an assault against our pride and our self-sufficiency. Some of us don't want to live in a dangerous dependency. We just want God to show up and show out and go, fine, I'll take it from here. And we're wondering why we're not led by the Spirit. It's because a lot of us, we don't want help. Hey, can I talk to some of you guys in the room very specifically? Thank you, it's coming. <laughs> and you are allowed to give feedback, okay? For those who are here, boom is fine. I love it, okay? Uh, some of the most committed sacrificial serving Christians I have met in the church quench the spirit here. They love being a help to everybody else, but their pride keeps them from asking for help. And what I want to say is God's given you the gift of helps, but at what point did your gift become your identity instead of Christ? And I just want to make sure that we're, we're making sure that we're making space to say, hey, the only reason I'm giving help is because I'm receiving help. And the Spirit helps me in my weakness. So the question for you tonight is, what do you do? How can the Spirit help you in your weakness when your weakness is asking for help? Hey, what, this is not mind-blowing stuff. Maybe the biggest thing that the Spirit is going to lead you to do this week is to actually want and ask for help. You have no idea what that unleashes in the kingdom. You have no idea the resources that God has been cultivating and just waiting for you to want it and ask for it. We need help. And for just a reminder, for those of us who've been uh, around Christianity for more than two years, um, when you needed help, that didn't end when you came to Christ. Actually, it just began. God is proceeding, the Son is interceding, and the Spirit is leading us further up and further in to a place where we consistently and constantly ask for God's help. My question for you tonight is, what are you praying for right now that if God doesn't help, it won't happen? That's where we start to get into uncharted territory and we start to be led by the Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit's just waiting on us to want it and to ask for it. The Spirit helps us to hope. And in this hope, we are saved. Second thing I would just say, um, that we quench and grieve the Spirit immediately before we even start, get started is, we don't wanna wait for help. Some of us may have gotten to the place where, I need help, all right, I got it. It's the basis of the Christian faith, right? Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Why? We need help. 
Creation's groaning, I'm groaning, my neighbor's growing, we need help, we have no problems. I need it, I want help, yes, Jesus, wait for it. Uh Uh-uh. Now. I was like, five minutes after that prayer, and it hasn't happened, so I'm done. Someone before the service was reminding me of the persistence that is required to experience the faithfulness of Jesus, and I'm just like, here we go. Are we not all impatient people pestering a patient God who just wants to teach us how to wait. For those who wait upon the Lord will be saved and in this hope we are saved. Spirit helps us to hope. And we want help and we will wait for help. I had a buddy uh, in college uh, who we wound up moving uh, to Birmingham together. I, it was a funny story, I actually talked to him the day before I was moving into quitting his job and moving to Birmingham with me with no job. Should tell you a lot about him. Um, He's either incredibly spirit-led or easy manipulated, and it may be both. Um, But I love him. We we show up in Birmingham. We're we're doing life and ministry together. Um, And at that time, it was an incredible season of brokenness and waiting on God to heal certain things in my life. And God used community, his word, friends, and especially uh, a counselor for me to help to start to sort some of that stuff out. And I'm about six months into uh, the counseling process, and he's just getting me unloading all this stuff on. And he's got some similar wounds in his life. He's got a relationship that didn't work out and was bitter and was angry and was upset and was grieving. And he's asking for help and he wants help. And I said, buddy, why don't you go uh, see Becky? I I think it would be incredible. She's done so much, helped me do some work and I think it would be great for you. And finally he's like, okay, I'll go. He goes in, he gets done his first counseling session. I wait on when he gets home, like, bro, how was it? Was it awesome? Like, Holy Spirit's in that room, right? She's she's got Jesus all over her. How did you like it? And he's like, wasn't that great? I'm like, bro, what happened? Why wasn't it great? She didn't tell me anything I didn't know already. Great. And then literally says this, I was hoping she would just prescribe a happy pill for me. Not against medication, but I'm also not against waiting. And what my friend was doing is he just didn't, he didn't want to hear what was wrong. He just wanted you to make it right. And he wasn't willing to do the work and he certainly wasn't willing to wait. And it broke my heart and trying to figure out how to pray for him and lead through that. But I know a lot of us are a lot like my friend. We're weary of waiting we're tired of trying and we're fatigued by the frustration that help is not coming when we want it and how we want it listen to what one commentator says the groaning church in the midst of the groaning world is sustained and even inspired by the spirit the groaning church and the groaning world is inspired and sustained by the spirit. Perhaps some of the most spiritual things that we can do in the midst of tragedy, suffering, and waiting, and hope deferred is maybe groan. Because maybe we're overhearing some of the silas groans, the wordless groans of the spirit. Maybe we can partner with him. Where is the uh in your life right now? You're waiting on the job, the spouse, the healing. And if you get to a place where that's actually part of your prayer life, it may be an indication you're being led by the Spirit. 
because he's helping you to want help and he's also helping you in your waiting. Ugh, you're joining with creation, you're joining with the church and we're going, we're waiting for the full and final redemption and everything is not as it should be and the fact that I'm acutely aware of it may be a sign of your grace. Ugh. And if you start to pray like that, just so you know, you will join a long lineage of men and women of the faith who know that suffering and waiting is part and parcel as we expand God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that the story of our fathers and mothers in the faith? You got Naaman, right? He's going down the Jordan River. It's the fourth time. Ugh, why do I gotta dunk in this dirty river? Where is my healing? You got Hannah, year after year after year, praying for a child. The text even says she was bitter in her soul and weeping. Oh, God, when will you give me a child? You got David, anointed, the rightful king of Israel and has to go straight back to the shepherd's field, working for his dad. Oh, Where's this job you promised me? You got Ruth following God into a foreign country, gleaning the fields in the hot day, and just going, ugh, when will I get out of this cycle of poverty? When will I know where my next meal is coming from? You got Boaz, the owner of that field, watching her at that very moment, perhaps saying, ugh, I'm too old, when will I ever find a spouse? And then you got Peter, denies Jesus, moves back home, takes his old high school job, and is probably thinking, ugh, is there such a thing as a second chance? One of the biggest ways we quench the spirit is not waiting on the spirit because you need to know that God is constantly at work even in our waiting. Spirit helps us to hope and the spirit helps us in our weakness. My question for you then is, where is your waiting for help greater than your wanting for help? Where does your waiting for help sabotage your wanting help? Spirit helps us to hope, and in this hope we are saved. And just brief caveat before I tell you what the bow is for. Choose this week. Hey, I, I'm not going to grieve or quench the spirit in simple ways. I want help. I need help, and I'll wait for it. Great. Just be prepared if help doesn't come exactly the way you anticipated. Luke 10, Martha is literally with Jesus. And it says she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So she literally following the spirit, right? She wants help, she needs help, and she's waiting for it. Come on, Jesus, give it to me. Listen to the words of Jesus. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Your sister has chosen what is better, to sit at my feet. 
oh, child of God, as you're led by the Spirit of God, and you groan, ugh, and you want help and you're waiting for help, maybe you need to hear this. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Sit at my feet and understand that I'm working in the midst of your waiting. Boom. So, thank you. That was great timing, by the way. Like, that just really helped the transition. It's been me one too many times. It's not cracked, is it? Good. Okay, so uh, this last week was Addie Gale's birthday. Uh, one of my girl children. That's... Spirit, I need help. <laughs> okay. So, Abigail is our middle child, but not really, but she, I, she literally had a birthday all week. Like, there was one day, but we celebrated it all week. Uh, praise be to God. She just has lots of approval needs, and I have no idea where she gets that from. So, uh, I was really proud of Simon. Uh, he, right at her birthday, he had made some money doing some chores for a neighbor, and after he had bought his new Xbox 360 game, he had some money left over, and he just said, Dad, I want to use that to buy Abigail a gift. So they come home from the sporting goods store and rock out with this, bow and arrow. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Apparently, it's called Little Banshee. Um, <laughs> let's just, we got to get to it. Okay. <laughs> And so uh, they come home, it's Sunday, it's hotter than Hades outside, I'm sorry, it is, uh, I, I'm, I'm a heat complainer, I apologize. So they come home, uh, Audrey's in the kitchen, and I'm like, hey girl, and she's like, what's up? And uh, I says, is there anything I can do to help you? And she says, yeah, you can go outside and play with your kids. Um, and I was, <laughs> they're good, it's hot outside. What I'm saying is, uh, we just bought our daughter a bow and arrow for her birthday. Welcome to Tennessee. Um, and they're outside with a lethal hunting device with no direct supervision or training. They're gonna be fine. <laughs> and we kind of have a shorthand where she just kind of repeats herself without trying to be too condescending and judgmental. And she goes, I think you should go outside and play with your kids. <laughs> and I go outside, not because I'm a good Christian or a good husband, just because I wanna kiss. I want to kiss her a lot, and I want to kiss her later, and so I figured that's how I get to that. So I walk outside, and the blue blaze is heat. So give Abigail a quick lesson. She sets up the little target or whatever. Plapomp goes in the ditch. Second shot, wha-pam, bullseye. Kid you not, have a picture to prove it, all right? There she is, nailed the bullseye. I said, I can't believe it. I'm like, that picture's too cute, look tough. So then she looks tough. That's the next picture. Bam! <laughs> Simon sees this and he decides, oh no, I would like a turn because uh, his sister can't be better at something than he is. So he, he lines it up, first shot, boom, straight over the thing. We don't see where it goes. Second shot hits the bottom of the thing. So now we gotta retrieve the arrows. I'll try to condense this as quickly as possible with the maximum amount of frustration that I experienced. 
One hour later, we still can't find that arrow. We go through all the stages of grief trying to find that daggum thing. And you don't shoot with one arrow. It's like playing tennis with one ball. It's just really annoying. <laughs> so first 10 minutes, they're casually looking for it. Next 10 minutes, I go domination dad. Grit it out, kids. Come on, we got to find this. I'm not going inside and telling your mom that I lost the arrow already because that means less kisses. So let's get it going. <laughs> Still can't find it. I go, I'm hot. I'm in the shade at this point, just watching my kids work. I grab a rake, I give it to Simon and go, just drag it through the yard. It'll come up. Gets done, did work, dad. Like it's my fault. Finally, I'm like, it's search party mode, okay? We're in about minute 45. I've taken a personal offense that I can't find this arrow. We go hand to hand like this, take one step and go down like this in the grass. Good, good. Again, one step down like this in the grass. Oh, we're gonna find this arrow. We gritted off. I mean, it's double the possibility of where it could have gone. Still no daggum arrow. At this point, I catch Abigail at the corner of my eye, lacing up the arrow and pointing it at her brother. And I said, oh. okay. And she just finally goes, oh, I got a new toy. It's hot. We've lost an arrow. I shared it. And this is not going the way I want it to. And luckily, pastor dad kicks in in that heartbeat because I, I'm so hot, I'm having like anger oasis fantasies, all right? <laughs> like I'm getting ready, like it's boiling up like the old, like just angry preacher and I'm about to yank Simon aside and just go, hey buddy, you missed the mark and that's what's called sin. And guess what? <laughs> Your sin doesn't just affect you, it affects all of us. <laughs> so here's a shame grenade, jump on it. And luckily, the Spirit of God helps me in that moment. And I realize we're really hot, tired, frustrated, and dehydrated. Why don't we ask God for help? I said, kids, come on in. Let's just pray real quick. All right? All right. Abba, we're hot, we're tired, and we're frustrated, and we're angry. And we're sorry we didn't ask you at first, but we've exhausted everything we can. Well, I honestly think you delight in finding lost things. Um, it's in your scripture. And so if it's anywhere in your power to help us find this, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see. Amen. Okay, guys. Okay, great. All right, let's just look for a couple more minutes and we'll see what happens. And I'm praying, Lord, please let it happen. 10 seconds later, Simon holds up the arrow. <laughs> Why do I tell you that story? So that if the spirit helps you and you pray, you'll never lose your wallet or keys or phone again? Absolutely not. I still do it all the time, and I've got a robust prayer life. <laughs> I tell it to you this because I want to know that just maybe if prayer is seamless in our family, and that if my kids see that anger and fear and frustration don't have to drive you away from the Father, but to the Father, then maybe in the little and the simple things they'll trust Him with that they can't find, maybe they'll trust Him in the big things when they can't find a friends or a spouse or a job, and they'll learn that the Spirit helps them in their weakness, and that they can have the grace to groan and to invite God into that pain, not use it to run from Him. And maybe, just maybe, if I start to teach my kids that, it'll start to happen more for me when the money isn't there to pay the bills. 
when uh, forgiveness isn't there for all the faults that have been committed, mine and yours alike. Maybe when it's just not happening the way I want it to happen quick enough, maybe the Spirit will help us to hope. And then I can want help. And then I can wait on that help. Amen? So let's pray together. We're going to usually take 120 seconds to kind of listen in to what God wants to say tonight. But could I offer maybe two prayer prompts for us? First, would you just tell the Holy Spirit um, what you want help for right now? Would you just name it? Holy Spirit, I want help with. And then would you ask him to help you wait? And if you're able to, just say, hey, I submit to you. If your help doesn't come when I want it or the way I want it. But I commit not to leave the feet of Jesus during the process.